podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, FC Barcelona squeaked out a victory in Ibiza, edging out of the round of 32 in Copa del Rey with two goals from Antoine Griezmann. Philippe Coutinho could be returning to FCB after his loan to Bayern Munich ends, and Barça will face Valencia in La Liga this weekend in the Mestalla. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm your host, Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid is your co-host and tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are you doing, buddy? You know, I knew you were going to ask me that, <laughs> and I, I can't say for sure. Okay. I don't know. How are you? I'm great, Brian. It's almost the oh, weekend, great. you know. Atletico Madrid just lost in the Copa del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this Copa del Rey is crazy. I mean, we're going to talk about the new format and everything, but it's just insane. Uh, but no, I mean, like I told you, like we're having a cold spell here in Spain, but man, it's it's the weekend and I can't wait, man. I think it's actually warmer in Buffalo today than it is in Spain. Ooh. ooh. In where you are in Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have to wear my hat. Oh, that's how you can tell. Yes. <laughs> same jacket, same gloves, but hat or no hat. Yeah, yeah. And also, Brian, uh, my 49ers are in the Super Bowl, so I'm super psyched. So That's right. Congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. But that was pure dominance, you know. Man, you know, I've been really lucky these last 10 years with my sports teams, Brian, because with my Golden State Warriors, uh, the 49ers were, you know, bad, good, bad, and now they're good again. Again, it's been a really nice run, especially with Barcelona, but I'm really excited because, uh, you know, we're going to do a Super Bowl party here and, and you know, I'll have actually a horse in this race for once. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some little correlations. I mean, for example, we were talking before about I was telling you how impressed I was with their blocking and it's correlated to Barcelona, just like the, the small technical details of how these professionals make it look so easy, but it's so difficult, you know? And I would describe it as, you know, with Messi's first touch or Barca players' first touch or the way they're able to control the ball, we take that for granted. You watch other teams and other players and the ball just flies off their shoe. And when I was watching the Niners, it kind of brought back the same idea. It's just how technically sound they are with their blocking, that there's these huge holes for the running back. And it's kind of the same thing. You just take it for granted, but... You've watched enough American football, you know that blocking is super difficult. You've played enough soccer, first touch, super difficult. Right, right. You know, with all these sports happening, it just just fills my heart with joy, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear it. Let's get on with the show. Today we have a number of things to, to talk about. First up... You know, I was reminded how we've been joking last couple episodes about the fact that Arda Turan is, on paper at least, back at Barcelona. But we we don't anticipate he's going to see the pitch at all in a Barcelona jersey. Most likely he's going to be shuffled off somewhere else. But in a similar uh, news report, this week German newspaper Bild reported that Bayern Munich will not exercise their option to make Philippe Coutinho's loan from Barcelona permanent. So he's on loan to Bayern for the remainder of the season. But if this report is accurate, Coutinho will return to the Barcelona camp next summer. He was a record signing for the club in 2018, but he didn't prove to be worth it, at least not under Ernesto Valverde. But his contract with Barcelona does go until 2023. So would Kike do any better with Coutinho? Might he want to keep him and use him? I mean, I think it's a resounding yes. I mean, he would do, I think he would revitalize his career. Uh, coming under this system just because I think there's 
more fluidity for him in the center, and we wouldn't have to play him out to the left as much, especially with the teaming up of maybe Griezmann, Messi, and Coutinho up the middle, I think would be really, really dangerous and really fun to watch. Again, I think, you know, one of the problems we had with Valverde is he kept trying to put him on the left in the 4-3-3, and we all knew that it wasn't going to work. He had some goals, but he just always looked uncomfortable. He needs to play up the middle, and I think he is a improvement to Rakitic or Vidal playing up in that center and teaming up with Dijon back there. And I think that would be a really good fit. And I think Kike could get the best out of him and we can get not only goals, but also playmaking up the middle playing alongside with Messi. Yeah. And plus, rather than going out and shopping for a player and making offers and trying to do the deals, he's just going to come to us by default and it's up to the club to make the choice of whether he stays or goes. So so you're voting when he has to come back, ask him to stay. For sure. I, I mean, I think it's a good move. Like you said, we don't have to pay a transfer fee. We don't have anything like this. It's already on the books. And the other thing too, Brian, I think he's a better fit for our system than trying to get out number nine. You know, there's all this talk on, on Twitter and rumors and stuff trying to get a number nine like Kane or the guy from Arsenal. I can't, I can't pronounce his name, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know who I'm talking about. And um, But again, I think... In this system, I think we're better if we can just free flow in the middle and not have a number nine. You know, essentially kind of a false nine, but with some more discipline and just having Messi, Coutinho, and Griezmann just kind of interchange, I think would be really potent. Yeah, it could be. It yeah. certainly has the potential for it. Now, to your point, last week in the press conference before the match in Ibiza, Kike was asked if they're looking for a replacement for Suarez in the current transfer window. And he wouldn't give a definitive answer, uh, despite whatever a headline might say, he was coy on the subject. But my question is, should he be looking for a Suarez replacement? Even if Griezmann is a very different kind of forward, isn't he the obvious choice since we have him and we know he has a lot of quality? You know, my first reaction is no, we shouldn't get a number nine because it's really difficult to find a number nine that's going to fit into this system. You know, most of the number nines are more lumbering and they're not going to be as fluent in the system. I would really just take a chance and bank on our midfield, you know, and especially if Alenia comes, I mean, when Alenia comes back and hopefully Todibo comes back and then we'll have more depth and hopefully Arthur and Dijon gel even more, then I think we don't really need a number nine. I think, you know, more than anything, they just need more playing time to figure out the system and figure out what works and the runs that happen. Again, a number nine is nice to have, but I think that's more for the 4-3-3 system. And since we're playing this three-back system, I think we can get away with not having a number nine, but we just have to get more goal scoring from other places. Right. Now, on Wednesday, a piece dropped on ESPN.com, an article by Simon Cooper. He's the author of Soccernomics, Why England Lose, and several other books. And now he's working on a book about how Barcelona, the club, how it works, as he describes it. Last year, he wrote a really nice piece in the Financial Times about the innovation hub at Barcelona. We talked about that. His new piece on ESPN.com is about how, at Barcelona, the players have the power, not the manager. So this portion of the show, we're going to talk about this a little bit. The por- this portion of the show is members-only content. So if you aren't a member, support the show now to get a private podcast feed so that you can listen to this members-only content. Now, for everyone, members and non-members, let's talk about Valencia. Let's scout them out. Saturday, 4 p.m. kickoff, everyone's favorite. At the Mestalla, Barcelona will face Valencia for the 21st match of La Liga. So to look at Valencia a little bit, they're coming off a one nothing win over Logroñez in the Copa del Rey at midweek. But before that, they had two straight losses against Mallorca and Real Madrid in the Super Cup before that. 
They are in seventh in the league right now. And the last time these two teams played, Marcelino had just been sacked and Albert Saladas had just taken over that week. Now Saladas will be in a similar situation. He'll have a similar chance to face Barcelona when our own manager is still unpacking. Yeah, I love that. That's a great line, Brian. I have a, Thank you. That's poetry in motion, baby. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, let's start off with the kickoff time. Again, that's <laughs> the worst time, obviously. But at least it's a short ride. It's a short train ride, one hour and a half or so to Valencia. So that's convenient. One of my concerns would be, you know, thank God we're not playing artificial turf, Brian. I mean, that's, yeah. the, first, <laughs> that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to play on some real grass. And again, I'm curious to see, A, the lineup now, because I think this is going to be a stronger lineup, especially with the Zhang in the lineup, maybe Artur making an appearance. And I think already with those guys, our one-two passing is going to be much faster than it was with Rakitic and Vidal in there. I think that's one thing. And the other thing, too, like Bar- Valencia hasn't been playing that well. I watched them against uh, Real Madrid, and that was just a brutal game to watch. It wasn't fun at all. They were both scrapping. And with Rodrigo kind of on the injured list a little bit here and there, they've kind of been inconsistent with goal scoring. And, again, they're a tough team. The Mestalla is a tough place to play. But I think just with both teams not – playing at their best has kind of lost a little bit of its luster that usually would be going into this match. But again, I'm just curious to see what the starting 11 is. And more importantly, if we're going to score goals outside of Messi. Yeah. And looking at Valencia and what they have available, um, Rodrigo is probably not going to be playing and he is their top assist provider. He's currently out with a knee injury and their top scorer, Maxi Gomez, he has seven goals for the season. And I would bet that he'll play, but Saladas does rotate his forwards pretty regularly. So we could be looking at Kevin Gamero or Ruben Sobrino up top, either by themselves or with one of, or the other if they play a 4-4-2. Because they mostly play a 4-4-2, but in some cases he'll go with maybe a 4-2-3-1. That's happened um, in this season a few times with them. So we could be looking at a couple of different lineups, but one player who they will be without is Rodrigo, uh, to the best of my knowledge with the reports that I've seen. And there have been rumors of Rodrigo making a move to Barcelona. What do you think about that? Would you Would you be how, – how would you feel about I that? I wish move? they would have done that a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think he would be actually a really good fit. I mean we talked earlier that I said I don't think we should go for number nine, but as we're recording here, there is rumors – or not actually rumors that the agent of Rodrigo is actually in Barcelona talking about this deal. So if they can close on Rodrigo, I'm all for it. But with the other number nine rumors, I'm not really in favor of those guys. Um, Like you said, Rodrigo is a really good player. He's talented. He's not scared of these big game situations. And I think he would be a really good fit for our system. Now, normally, if we were playing with Valverde's system in the 4-3-3, I would say, Brian, I'm worried, you know, because yeah. our midfield is going to be distant. We're going to have, but now with this 3-7 formation, <laughs> basically, now we have the midfield flooded and now we can kind of just overrun not only the possession, but now our defense is going to be much stronger because the other team just won't have the opportunities. And so that really plays to our strength. Now, like I said, we just have to figure out how to be less messy dependent and have other people shoot outside the box. You know, I mean, that is a big thing that we still continue not to do. Going back to the question of, you know, should we get a number nine? Originally, you said not really, but I guess it sort of depends on who the number nine is. Yeah. And also if the it's price. Rodrigo, 
if it's Rodrigo, then sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's go I, with that. I think also because I just think he would be an easier transition where he would make such an effect right away because he already understands La Liga, no cultural differences. You know, he understands the language. And it's only an hour and a half train it's ride. It's only an hour and a half train ride. Exactly. All these things, right? <laughs> but like let's say, for example, I saw one of the rumors you bring Kane in, right? All of a sudden, language, style of play. Like there's so many things that he may not be able to hit the ground running where Rodrigo can just kind of be a plug-and-play player right away. I would say for Rodrigo, I'm good with that. The other number nine's not. But man, that would be whew, him and Griezmann up top. That would be very nice. Well, with the squad that we currently have uh, and, and with Suarez out injured for the – next four months this has to be Griezmann's time to really start getting in sync with Messi yeah not only with Messi but also just taking more shots as well you know there's again we're still kind of doing the same thing where we always are trying to make that pass in the middle and yes it's available sometimes but it doesn't have to be all the time you know Uh, Fatih was accused of this in the last game too like just take some shots from the angle that you're at because you never know if you get a rebound you know you never know what's going to happen Yes, we can score the prettiest goals, but also it's just nice to score. I mean, Brian, when you're right at the edge of the box, you're still close enough to be able to get a really nice clean shot where you can be accurate and with pace. And we often have those opportunities, but we continue to want to dribble more inside the box or we want to pass it off. And I just want to see just more shot taking because I think that'll just open up those gaps where we can find space behind the line. Well, I'm just glad that the game's on Saturday so that we can record on us at a slightly early hour on Sunday and then I can get to bed at a reasonable time yeah. on Sunday. These partidazos, man, they kill us. The Sunday partidazos, yeah, they yes. really do it to me. But uh, next up, we'll break down the win over Ibiza in the Copa del Rey. All right, so on Wednesday in the evening on the Balearic Islands, <laughs> we went to the nightclub, I'm, I mean serious club of Ibiza. In the Copa del Rey round of 32 in the Can says, and it was a 2-1 win, uh, but it came late. Uh, first thing we should really get into with this match, though, is the new tournament format for the Copa del Rey. Because now, every round, until the semifinals, will only be one leg. And in the case of a lower division team playing a higher division team, the lower division team will always get the home advantage. And so that's exactly what we saw played out in this round where Ibiza gets the home advantage in their poorly lit artificial turf stadium. <laughs> so at first I was, you know, this is obviously a new format. So we were, I was, you know, we were texting back and forth and I said, yeah. And you're like, yeah, they're only playing one match. And I kind of did a double take. I said, one match. What's going on here? <laughs> so when I, when I did some research today, I was like, oh yeah, it is one match. And yes, it is until the semifinal where it's a home and away. But again, actually I'm, I'm in favor of it, Brian, because watching all the roundup, of the games last night on the sports show, it gives these small teams an opportunity to be big time for one night. And I think that's really cool, you know, and all the small teams that hosted last night, like they just went around the stadiums may have, you know, 4,000 people, 10,000 people at most around Spain, you know, and all these higher teams went there and the, the, uh, the environment was amazing. But more importantly, Brian, it gives these lower teams a puncher's chance. And I think that's kind of really cool, you know, especially we saw again last night with Ibiza. Real Madrid had to go to Salamanca. They won, but they kind of struggled a little bit. Again, Atletico Bilbao went to penalties, and we just saw Atletico Madrid lose. So I think it's actually a really cool format going forward because, like I said, it gives these players to be big time for two hours. Yeah, I and I fully agree. 
because the Copa del Rey is often sort of held up as this almost democratizing kind of tournament in Spain where teams from different tiers can play against each other and but you know the way that it's formatted can also influence who wins and of course it's always going to be the big Primera teams who win and now they've made some tweaks to try and equalize the playing field just that little that little bit more and I read that uh, in Ibiza they added 2,000 temporary seats (laughs) to the stadium for this game because it was already sold out and then they sold out the added seats so great for them. And also I was thinking, man, these players, some of these players, they want to get looked at yeah, yeah, exactly. by bigger clubs. And that's so this gives them the opportunity to do that as well. Not just the club to get more exposure, but for these individual players to get a look. And I think some of these Ibiza players earned earned a good look from some Primera sides. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like like you talked about in the, in the sports show today, all the players of the lower division teams went to each player and got jerseys. So that was yeah. like a big thing. And the other thing too, you know, I – it's just like the NCAA basketball tournament. One loss and you're out, right? And I think that puts a lot of pressure on the team. I mean, we saw last night we were losing one nothing for a long time, and it was kind of nail-biting. You know, you're kind of going through the motions where you're like, ah, it's just Copa del Rey, but you're like, God, we're losing to a visa? What's going on, you know? Yeah. And and usually with the two legs, the better team's usually going to win. You know, it's kind of like in basketball, best of five, best of seven, the better team's usually going to win. But with this one game off, you know, chance, there's no VAR. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. But what, what? about the artificial turf? Yeah, let's talk that, about that. I couldn't believe that when I heard that. You texted me that. And I, and yeah. I again, I did. Man, every time you text me now lately, I'm doing double takes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, when you, you text. the hot info. Yeah, you do. You got hot off the presses, you know? You texted yeah. me. Hey, did you know the field is artificial turf? And I was like, is that even legal anymore? What is this? 1987? What's going on here? You know? <laughs> Again, this this is one of the things that they should, you know, the the federation should look at because this pitch was awful. And artificial turf is awful. Brian, I don't know if you've ever played artificial turf, but that ball bounces like concrete, you know? Yeah. How long did it take our players to get used to that? It took us a long time, right? Not only the control and all that stuff. The other team, Ibiza, was Right in the groove because that's their home field. Right. But not only that, but as a safety precaution, this shouldn't this should be outlawed. Yeah, I mean Neto sprained his ankle coming down off a jump, and yeah, sure that happens on grass. Mm-hmm. But I just can't help but blame the artificial turf. Yeah, I mean, I man, I plain artificial turf is the worst, man. Oh, I hate it. Going down to ground, you get those raspberries on your leg. The ball is so fast. I mean, you saw it's almost playing like indoor, and with the rain and the sleekness, like what kind of shoes do you use on those? Again. You could tell, especially by the 75th minute, we finally were hitting those balls with the correct pace. Again, it's always with those balls, you you may lead too much or you may cut them short. And it was just trying to find that groove. Of course, our team is, you know, a team of professionals. and They were able to eventually find that. But thank God they did it find it, you know, sooner than later. With a minute to spare, they finally <laughs> yeah. found the, the go-ahead goal. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about their squad because, yeah. as we've mentioned, Messi and PK didn't make the trip at all even though they could have Busquets also didn't make the trip but he was suspended so no real need um instead Ricky Puj, Abel Ruiz, Chumi were all borrowed from the B team and Puj actually got some playing time making it into the starting 11 
So that was the kind of thing that we were sort of expecting to see from Setien, particularly with this tournament. Yeah, and I, I really liked the lineup because he just, he, like we said, he used every player now in two games. And I really liked that. Now, obviously, it wasn't the, the greatest performance we've ever seen. But you expect that, especially in a new system and, more importantly, players that don't even play with each other. But before we get into that point, just really quick, with the Messi and PK thing, I think they should have traveled with them. Because if Griezmann is playing... Like, these guys should just be on the bench. Like, I think that's really important. You know, I don't, I don't like giving, especially now, going forward, you're trying to stay away from the players only managing everything. I think if they would have been on the on the bench, I think it would have really been great because it's like, hey, if I'm playing out here, you got to be here on the bench, not at home, you know, chilling with your family, watching on TV, you know? Right. Or, even, or in the stands, at least. Or in the stands, at least. But, I mean, just be... Come with the team, you know, that's right. part of the solidarity. That's part of the the team building that goes on. It's like, remember that time we all went to Ibiza and we did that and then we came back. Right. But now it's kind of you're already separating the locker room a little bit, you know. And yeah, I think just by having this gesture of just bringing them is a good goes a long way. Yeah. Now their lineup, we we definitely know that there are three in the back. <laughs> we can't say for sure whether it's a five, two or a four, three after after that but that's the lineup that we're seeing in two games now for with setien at the helm yeah it's you know like we were joking around it's a three seven you know yeah <laughs> and again i think it just really depends on the personnel that's out there of how the formation lines are going to be held you know we saw in the first match it was more of a you know three four three type of thing with wing backs but in this one it was kind of all over the place especially in the second half when the substitutions came because then it was all Alba was playing midfield and yeah, it was just all chaos. You know, everyone was just kind of doing anything. But like you said, the main thing is that we have a three back system and more importantly, we're just flooding the midfield. And I like that going forward because, you know, like I said before, in our old four three three, we just don't have the midfielders to cover that distance anymore. So we definitely needed to crowd the midfield and Septien has been doing that lately. Okay. I want to talk about some stats because I skipped over this and we, we want to get into some stats because they are weird. They're weird stats. Possession dominated 78 to 22 for Barcelona. Shots, however, only eight shots with three on target for Barcelona and seven shots with two on target for Ibiza. And of course, they converted on one of those. Barcelona converted on two of their three on target chances. And then the fouls. <laughs> Ibiza committed 23 fouls and took five yellow cards to Barcelona's seven fouls and one yellow card. I mean, for me, the stat, the fouls is the huge thing because, like you said, you, you said the refereeing was okay. I think I thought it was atrocious. I thought that you know there should have been a penalty called on Fati in the second half in the box. Yes. That was, I mean, I he literally threw him. He, he, he literally just pushed him into the sea. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's again, true. I'd forgotten about. That. Yeah, yeah. But again, it, it was just there was another play too where Fati had the ball in a one-on-one situation where he hit it ahead and the guy just took him out. And yeah. it was the same guy that pulled him down. Now, again, you know, I understand Ibiza's strategy because I would do the same thing. Just foul and just hope and just play the line and just, you know, just try to slow them down. But again, I wouldn't expect anything less from our defense, especially this defense playing, to allow this many shots. I mean, we saw the early goal come in, but also they're just trying to figure – not only are they trying to figure out how to play with each other, but also playing three back. It's something new for all of them. So – the most it's important a very different thing, spacing. Yeah, exactly. But more importantly, they were able to not allow any more goals, right? I mean, obviously they had another one where they hit the post, you know. So, 
again, that happened, but you know, it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good in the, in the first half. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Because with the rain, you know, it's that, just, that again, the rain is always the great equalizer in any sport, right? Because, you know, if we're talking American football or football here, it's, slows everything down right all of a sudden you're the team that used to be really fast is all of a sudden now two steps slower and all of a sudden you can play with them and again we saw that happening here with the rain the turf you know the style play i mean how many times did you see the ball bounce up i mean that that was crazy yeah like the turf (laughs) with rain the way that the ball moves on the turf yeah is so strange compared to grass and then there's of course the bouncy issue yeah what did you think of tomato playing in the midfield i didn't like it versus and and sergio roberto in the back i would have reversed it exactly yeah yeah again i but tomato's got the legs he's got the speed yeah there he were does moments where where he did explode out into that into that flank into the final third there were those moments but for me it just wasn't enough but just think about if roberto was allowed more freedom in the midfield with his technical ability especially in this rain i think he would have added more value to us in this match, right? Again, maybe he's just trying to see what he can, but we know that Semedo and Roberto just don't really link up well, you know? I mean, that's we've seen that for the last two years. They're just... I don't even think they know each other. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, they they just... Like, every time he passes to him, he either gives them a bad... They, to each other, right? It's not just one or the other. It's For example, Semedo doesn't know where Roberto likes the ball and vice versa. It just always seems that they're never leading properly or they're never giving him the right position to play for the next play, right? It's always behind him or too yeah. much in front of him. It's always something like this. And, you know, when I saw the lineup, okay, I understand maybe he wanted a more sound defense because of Roberto, but I would have, you know, especially if you're just going to go all new reserves, just go Semedo on the back and then have Roberto in the midfield. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sergio Roberto thinks that Semedo's first name is Nathan. <laughs> Not Nelson. McDate. <laughs> that's how that's how well they know each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But so on that nine minute ninth minute goal, Ibiza goes ahead. Nascimento got through on the wing. He put in a cross for Javi Perez to take the shot, and Caballé deflected it, uh, and he wound up with credit for the goal. And like you said, we sort of could anticipate these sorts of things happening with this three back system, and particularly because it's still so new. Yeah, and it's also the midfield too, because Puj was late on the rotation. I mean, it was just everything, you know, like. When you are playing on the road like this, right, you're playing with this new team, essentially, with all these elements, the rain and the turf, like all you need to do is just try to figure it out and not lose the ball. And we lost the ball and Ibiza was able to capitalize. I mean, that's what the home field advantage is. More importantly, what I always look at, you know, especially with when these things happen is, A, how did they react? And did we allow any more mistakes? And we did have some more mistakes and some sloppy defending, but more importantly, we continued to go after it and we reacted and ultimately we scored the, you know, we won the game. But again, I look at this as a big picture, you know, using all the players and I love seeing Puj out there and yeah. Furpo out there and Semedo out there. You know, I just love seeing all these players come out there to get opportunities because now they feel part of a competition. Yeah. And Puj has now made two appearances under Setien in competitive matches. It's awesome. Which is, yeah, in in two opportunities. You mentioned the fact that the defense did have some other slip-ups, breakdowns. Uh, there was one moment in particular in the 39th minute when there were two shots on Barca's goal, one right after the other. The first one came off the post, 
The second one, Neto made a reflex save to send it out. And of course, at this point, Ibiza's up one nothing. So it was really good for him. And it was later announced, not on this play, but he did sprain his ankle in the game. And there's no current projection as to when he'll be fully recovered. Luckily, Ter Stegen is back and available for action. So that's good. Now, there were a couple of changes that Setien made at, I think, good strategic times in the game. I have registered my complaints about Valverde's late substitutions, so I'm <laughs> glad to see this. 59th minute, Jordi Alba comes on for Carlos Perez, and then 71st minute, Arthur comes on for Ricky Puj, and the next minute, Barcelona equalize with the goal from Griezmann. De Jong with the assist, straight down the middle for Griezmann to shoot, having beaten the center back coming around from behind. Like I said, it just took, you know... How many minutes? 72, 71 minutes to figure out the pace of the pitch. Because on that through ball, it is delicious. I mean, yeah. that is that is like what you dream up in FIFA, in a, you know, in the best dreams you've ever had about football playing. Like that through ball was amazing because it had the right pace. It was away from the defender where only Griezmann could get it. And Griezmann did an amazing finish. Like he just took it and one-timed it basically. And the keeper had no shot. And there you go, 1-1. One, one. And again, like I said, I think, Brian, the player that's going to benefit the most out of this change is going to be De Jong. I think De Jong is going to leap two levels because of the freedom he's going to be able to have and also the responsibility. But like in this play, you also see the magic he has in playmaking, which is sometimes we don't always think – like when I think of De Jong, I don't always think of his playmaking. But this pass was, like I said, it was delicious. It was the perfect pace – perfectly for Griezmann on his left and he was able to finish and so we we were equal until the 94th minute and it looked like it was going to go to extra time because it's just one leg now but then a through ball from Alba for Griezmann coming down the left side he got past the line of defense for a very clean shot on Herman Parreño the goalkeeper to make it 2-1 and we got the win yeah and like I told you before the previous goal the pass was delicious on this one the finish was delicious because as I told you this This finish, I mean, this would probably be maybe the 12th option on my list to finish this style. Like the way he delicately put it over the keeper's leg, but with enough pace to not be a soft touch, right? Normally, I would have tried to hammer it low on the short angle or up high or cross, but like hit it hard, right? But the way Griezmann was able to balance himself and finish it just so smoothly, I mean... That is what we call a professional's goal. I mean, that is just uh, when I you, and the, obviously when you watched it live, you couldn't really see that angle. But when they showed the angle and you see the way Griezmann just barely lifts the ball over the keeper's leg and then hits the side net, oh, that that thing is beautiful. And more importantly, did you see how the players celebrated? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're in it, you know. And the thing too is. I can you can now really say that Griezmann is officially part of this team. You know, in the beginning of the season, he was still kind of distant. I mean, you can just see, right? Not only the play, the passing of his game, but now, you know, he's the first player now to score in all competitions. He is, you know, especially in this match, I think was really important to show his dominance and able to score goals without Messi. But also, like you just saw the celebration. I think he's now like officially part. I mean, I know he was officially, but like like this moment, I think, was the Griezmann moment. Right, right. Like emotionally. Yeah. He's yeah. now more a part of the team. Yeah. Than yeah, before. For sure. yeah. yeah. And he's going to need to be with, with Suarez out. But so we've got two games, two wins, but all kinds of uh, interesting variables in both situations. So can we extrapolate anything from these two matches that Setien has overseen so far? I think two things we can extrapolate. 
One is obviously just the new system, right? Obviously, it's the three back and going forward. I think that's really going to help us because where we're stronger at is having more midfielders play, right? We're lacking the forwards. And the other thing, too, is Setien's ability to use the players already. I mean, we've seen just in two matches, every player's seen minutes, you know? And again, if this is a trend going forward, I'm really on board with this because I think not only it's going to create that competition, but also it's going to keep the players fresh. I mean, you know, before in this type of match, does Jordi Alba start the whole match in the 4-3-3? I imagine oh, yeah. he does, right? Oh, but yeah. now he came in for 20 minutes, was super useful. He looked more spry, right? And he made the assist and you were able to conserve some of those legs. And also Junior Furpa was able to get minutes as well. So again, I'm really on board. And I think those are the two main things we can go. Now, after the Valencia game, I think we'll be able to learn a little bit more. Yeah. And there was also the Vidal sub for Rakitic. So that's exactly how you imagine using Vidal. Yes. As little as possible. So Setien (laughs) Setien is telepathically connected to you. Yeah, we we what's up every day. He's yeah. like, Gabriel, ¿qué tal? And I'm like, Setien, hombre, ¿qué tal, hombre? Um, yeah, I mean, again, but this is what you have to do at a big club like this with so many with so many minutes and so many games available, and also with the deep bench that we have. I mean, that's this adds to keeping the players fresh, competition, and also giving the players opportunities and to be engaged in the season. You know, you don't want. You know, for example, Semedo or Junior Firpo not getting any minutes at all. And then when they're called upon, they suck. You know, you have to keep them involved, keep them engaged. So I'm right. really happy with the progress. Obviously, I just want to see more rhythm in the in the midfield. But I think that'll happen when we play on grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most importantly, yeah. we've got a match coming this Saturday. Are you excited? I am excited. I am Me excited. Me too. I know, because I want to see now the full... Red Rocket starting 11. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I want to see the Zhang in there. I want to see Busquets. I want to see Artur. I want to see Puj if it gets possible. You know, maybe Rakitic. Again, this is getting me excited. And more importantly, you know, hopefully this will excite Messi and the Griezmann partnership to even become more brilliant. So we're actually looking forward to this match and looking forward to talking about it next Monday. <laughs> Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visco Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.